Happy Chamber Music Month, listeners. Yes, that's actually a thing. May is Chamber Music Month. Editor Mark DeClaudio here, and this week you'll be hearing a show from the classical classroom Wayback Machine, back when Daisha's voice was higher and squeakier, and believe it or not, she was even shorter. This show features the Enzo String Quartet. You know, string quartets are one of those things that we've all just come to accept as a normal arrangement of instruments in the classical music world. But Enzo's going to take us further, and they're going to teach us why and how string quartets come to be. Hey, by the way, we're reposting this episode on May 9th, 2016. And if you're in the Houston or Galveston area this week, there's a cool performance Houston Grand Opera's doing. It's called After the Storm, and it's by David Hanlon, who's going to be on Classical Classroom very soon. It actually incorporates audio clips from Houston Public Media's news anchors. If you're in the area, check it out. It's on the 13th and 15th. Oh yeah, uh, one last thing. Because of our amazing listeners, we just reached 100 ratings on iTunes. You guys rock. If you listen and haven't yet rated and reviewed us on iTunes, get on it. It's how we dominate the dojo. That's it. Enjoy the show. My name is Daisha Clay. I'm the audio librarian here at Classical 91.7. While I'm a real librarian, I have a deep, dark secret. I know very little about classical music. I grew up listening to rock. And I know something about jazz. But when it comes to classical... But I really want to learn. So... Every week on this show, a classical music expert will give me a piece of classical music they think I should know, and then we'll discuss it. Come learn with me in the Classical Classroom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Classical Classroom. I'm Daisha Clay, and today with me here in the studio is the Enzo Quartet. They're Grammy-nominated. Um... They have been together since 1999. They're based out of New York. We're lucky enough to have them here in Houston because they've been working on some recordings today, which we're actually going to get to in a bit. Do you guys want to go around and introduce yourselves, starting with you, Richard? Sure. I'm Richard Belcher, the cellist I'm from New Zealand, and I'm a founding member of the quartet. I'm Melissa Reardon. I'm the violist in the string quartet, and I, well, I live in New York City now, but I'm originally from Massachusetts. I'm John Marcus, <clears throat> second violinist of the quartet, and I'm originally from New York City, live in New York City, and I joined the quartet actually when, when they were residents here at Rice in Houston, so Houston is certainly a nice place to come back to every time we get a Hi. chance. Oh, sorry. I'm Maureen Nelson, uh, first violin, and also a founding member of the quartet, and living in New York with the quartet, but um, I'm originally from... Philadelphia, or oh. I'm from Pennsylvania. So yeah, I was. You mentioned that that you guys were at Rice, and I didn't know that there was such a thing as a quartet in residence. I was I was looking at that. I was I had no idea that Rice had a quartet in residence. And when did when did that first happen? Uh, for us, that first happened in oh two. Oh two, and you're yeah. coming back this year. We're I coming read. back in a month um, for. It's a visiting. It's residency. just a visiting residency okay. where we're going to do a lot of work with the composition department. What is what is really cool. what does um, that entail? Like being a that entails a, a concert. We're going to give a concert of um, 
all relatively new music, mm-hmm. and so written new for us uh, means this concert. the The oldest piece was written in the seventies, and the newest is being written right now. <laughs> so, um, and then the following day, we're going to be uh, doing what's called a, uh, a composer reading. Mm-hmm. So we have just received some scores from. Uh, students, I think seven or eight students from the Rice uh, Composition School, and we are going to be working on them and recording them for the students. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's really a really neat. cool thing. Why, to to someone like me, it, the idea of a string quartet? It, I mean, it makes sense because. I've heard of lots of string quartets, but I don't actually know why these four instruments or three instruments go together so well. There must be something magic about it. (laughs) At some point, it locked in as a formation. I think perhaps it might have been uh, Joseph Haydn who really kind of solidified this formation of two violins, one viola, one cello Mm -hmm. as the string quartet. And I think that we even, when we do children's concerts, refer to him as Papa Haydn because he is the father of the string quartet. Hmm. He discovered that this blended really well Mm -hmm. somehow and it was a good vehicle for composition. And then, you know, after him, Mozart followed writing string quartets dedicated to Haydn also. And then I think it just became an established form. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is just the the natural range that these particular instruments have, which is very similar to the, the four-part choral writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got, I mean, that's, that's the big thing about string instruments is we're trying to imitate the sound of the voice. Um, that's yeah. originally what what the, that big goal is and so with the violin being so high and, and like the soprano and all the way down through the middle tenor maybe. alto tenor yeah. through to the cello that makes which, so much sense yeah yeah. I never really thought about that yeah. because the, the like I was listening to a piece that Gil Shaham was playing and like it was just so in fact when it first came on I thought somebody was singing yeah and and I know a, a little bit about the fact that, you know, the first instruments that were created were created to kind of mimic the voice. And mm-hmm. and, and so it kind of makes sense mm. that the instruments in a quartet would try to mimic that. Mm. And that, that's how they fit together. Huh. That's very interesting. <laughs> and then, of course, because they're all strings, you know, there's a natural sonority, uh, sonority that's, you know, similar. Sonority like the... The sonic, uh, how it fits together. Yeah, the, yeah. Like the timbre. The timbre is, you know, quite different than say a piano. Yeah. Um, the way we can use the bow to mm-hmm. to draw the draw the sound out, mm-hmm. we can we can really work on that together to do it the same way. We can to, articulate it the same to way. make it sound just very similar. Yeah. There there are so many elements. I think the one of the things that stands out, of course, is that relationship that you have with the audience, where you can. You can sometimes really feel a connection with them. There's a certain energy in the air. You can you can tell that they're sort of hanging on every phrase, um, and that's a that that's a great thing that can happen in a, in a performance. There's also the excitement of the performance, the energy that you have when you're 
you know, getting ready for performance and on stage. Um, and of course, there's the spontaneity of the things that happen in the concert. We rehearse for hours and hours and hours in preparation for performances. And of course, since we're not machines, we do things differently in a performance. And so that spontaneity is exciting and it's also sort of thrilling. We, we, we don't know what's going to happen and we have to be on our toes to, to respond to all the new things that could be happening in a performance. Scary exciting. Scary exciting, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> John, can you tell me about like some crazy stuff that's happened in performances that you've done or like crazy places you've played? <laughs> I remember one time, I do remember one time we, we were playing something. I think this we is going to be good. It's not, well, it's not that interesting. I mean, but one, one, okay, one thing I do remember is that we were playing Janacek and I had to play something and I turned the page, my music fell on the floor and Maureen had a second to, to pick it up. I remember you managed to pick it up I and did. put it in the right place. I'm so quick. Oh, you hit your face. Oh, in the face. same piece. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a, yeah, there's this thing where it's like a really fast it's tremolo for a long time. It's uh-huh. like Sul Pantatello, which is... So it's like very close and... Close to the bridge. It has bridge. to sound sort of maddening, but but it also has to be <laughs> controlled, obviously. Otherwise, yeah. you wind up with a, you know, a real bang on the nose because I was doing it and then like it sort of flew off and just totally hit me in the face. <laughs> Gotta work on that control, John. Gotta work on the control. So what, what did you do? I, I just kept on going. Just kept going. Oh, the show must go on and I try not to laugh but I think the others <laughs> had a good chuckle. Did, did you guys like have to stifle? <laughs> well, it's yeah. just a little weird. Well, I think we're not winning. Like, yeah. Or I sometimes think I think when we do something that, that we like go and I'm gonna go for it and then it's sort of like a a little bit too special. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of like a lot of eyes like, all right. Won't be doing that next time. I, I have the same thing, but I'm not going to copy that. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm still waiting for John to pull out the uh, the glasses um, attached. Oh, yeah, your glasses almost. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes they look sometimes. so close to falling well, off. Well, there was one time that a bee actually attacked oh, Maureen. Yeah. That's that right. Oh, Where were you performing? It was, were performing a, it was a, we were at a place called it was, Maverick. It was Maverick, that's right. And they had had a beehive living in something that was on stage. That's a really cool like tree trunk that's turned into a sculpture. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a somewhat outdoor... It's, it's, it's indoor, but it's a barn and its back is open. Yeah. So, so it's and still, yeah. Yes. Well, and last um, time it was we were like there, the there hottest were day. Of, it was like the hottest yeah, day right. of the summer. I think it was yeah, ridiculously it was hot and muggy. And well, I think that day, I think I probably had hairspray in my hair to keep it, you know, back. And uh, we started the piece, and there was a bee that just kept kept coming around oh, my no. head and I was like trying to look all artistic and trying to like make it go away <laughs> so you're like dancing and swing but actually trying to get away from just the go bee. like ah! <laughs> well, it ended up on your finger at some point oh it was it was having a good old time yeah. I yeah oh my but I kept God. playing and it was a really quiet hide-in right it was yeah. uh, opus 20 number four like yeah. boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and there's like this mm. forte outburst that I was like <laughs> like shook my hand. I think eventually it went away. So you're using like the strong parts of the music to try to That's escape right. from the beat. <laughs> That's great. What's your favorite sort of venue to play in as a, as a quartet? What's small, most most suited? Actually, we like yeah. tend to be really fun. Yeah, like um, sometimes we do house concerts, and that's you're talking about that. Yeah, that it's. Well, as Melissa said earlier, um, the connection with the audience <coughs> is a big part of 
the the excitement. Yeah. And so when you can be close, I mean, there are bigger halls that you can also still feel close to the audience. So I would say any hall that you you get that connection, where you feel the audience just enough to you know give it an edge. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, halls that have you know some. A, a certain amount of reverberation mm. in them are satisfying to play in. It gives your sound this kind of glow or mm-hmm. um, some uh, resonance to your sound, mm-hmm. and that's always more satisfying than playing in a really dry space. And so I think an ide- ideal hall setting would be like a smaller hall that you can connect with the audience, and then it has this kind of warm, resonant sound. That's that's satisfying. I heard too, jumping around, that you guys were going to be making a music video. Mm. Yes. This is. Are there going to be like like busty ladies in bikinis? Hot cars Men. and no. stuff. I don't know about that yet. No. <laughs> we can always work on it. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it? You said this was um, this was going to be like your fourth video. Mm-hmm. What's what's it like to do a video shoot? At, because at your, your what we're like, trying to do is create a video performance um, that gets inside the quartet, so yeah. that it brings to the viewer something that that they can't see from a live performance. So we'll be making a, a video with shot with lots of different angles. Yeah. Um, just so that people can see how we interact with the quartet. And um, we've got a couple up on YouTube already um, that mm-hmm. you can see. Cool. And yeah, it's fun. It, it's just a different, hopefully a different experience for the audience to see how how we interact. Yeah, yeah. You, you sort of get the view as you would be if you were in the quartet. So mm. there might be a shot right. from the angle of somebody sitting over here looking at Richard or Maureen and and then you it sort of feels like you're inside the quartet and mm. I think that's a perspective that's cool. that could be could be interesting for yeah. the for the viewer. There was some uh, GoPro video that I saw online where they actually had like a, a GoPro attached to the end of a violin and so oh. as they were performing you were like looking right down. Oh wow. So neat. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. I know that you guys have been uh, recording today a piece by Kurt Stallman, who has also been on the classical classroom, um, that was inspired by a piece by Schubert. It was the quartet in C minor, the yep. quartet number 12 in C minor. Is mm-hmm. that right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, kn- I know the words. I don't know what order they go in. The Schubert, yes. It's actually referred to as quartet satz because it's a oh, quartet yeah. movement. Mm-hmm. It's referred to that because it's actually unfinished. It's uh, He only wrote a little beginning of the second movement, mm-hmm. and that's it. So he left it unfinished. So there's... Well, normally, I guess normally there would be four different movements. Mm-hmm. Just set, yeah. There'd be a slow movement and then a light-hearted one and then a flashy finish, yeah, one to finish like up with. Mm-hmm. So, But this is a just, standalone work, a yeah. quartet sauce, and he never completed the... I think it, it's an it's incredible movement, and that's why it's played so often, and and we know it so well. Um, it's had a huge life in the quartet uh, repertoire over over the years. 
is is it is it something that's common or or Yes, it's one of the it's one of the uh, sort of standard pieces in in the classical repertoire for okay. the string quartet. So, so this is something that if I were a uh, if I were a violinist, I would be play, playing it. Probably, yeah. If yeah. you were if you were in a string quartet, you would probably be familiar with this, okay. this movement for Got sure. It. So we we've kind of gotten to discussions with Kurt like about perhaps writing something to pair with the Schubert since it's an unfinished work. And what Kurt ended up coming up with was um was really interesting. He took I mean from my perspective it's like he took the quartet sats and kind of put it through a kaleidoscope a 20th century 21st century I guess now we're talking about and like gave it like a kind of modern edge to it. Just just to um, clarify, I, I read mm. that you guys actually commissioned Kurt to write this piece. So you, you mm-hmm. did, did you say to him, take this Schubert piece and do something with it? Yeah, well, we should thank Chamber Music America. Uh, they, they provided the grant money for this, which yeah. was fantastic. And... Mm. So yeah, the the whole idea was we knew that we wanted to start with quartet arts and we wanted Kurt to write a piece that somehow was a response or a, a reflection on on the Schubert work. And then, you know, as Maureen was saying, he he made some changes and just very small changes. Amazing, this tiniest change creates a whole different world of sound. So the the opening figure, uh, he, he added one note extra. Mm-hmm. So it goes up one half step extra, and then occasionally he'd add one note longer to a phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just totally cha- transforms the, the piece. Um, it's quite, quite amazing. So the the cool thing about that is we got uh, we got like a brand new version of quartets arts the same structure mm-hmm. um, and just like a different language of it though and uh, I should say one of the things that we've always wanted to do as a quartet and made an effort to do from when we got started is to have a, a good range a well-balanced range of repertoire mm-hmm. including some of the the classics that sort of draw us into being a string quartet in the first place uh, but also to to keep working on new pieces so that we're really expanding that the the canon as it were yeah um, i was I, I was reading that you guys are kind of into playing sort of lesser known works 
by you know yeah. the composers that we know and love, and then also yeah, there are, there are a lot of composers that that we've found have written amazing pieces that that don't feature prominently. Um, you know, one recent example is one by Richard Strauss, mm. uh, which I've never heard of anyone playing. Uh, I know people have played it before, but um, certainly I'm not aware of any big groups have recorded it or haven't heard any performances mm. but we saw that he'd written a quartet and we thought well he's a great composer we should look into that and then we ended up recording it we, we loved it it's a terrific piece and I think that's a really that was a really cool thing for us to do to work on a piece that none of us had heard so we didn't have uh, we didn't have an idea in our head of how it should go and that's very much like how we have to approach brand new pieces where we have to it's a lot more creative in a yeah, way is yeah. we have to come up with it ourselves whereas any piece that we've heard before like the Beethoven quartets or Mozart or whatever it might be um, we have a sense of how it should go you know like if I say to you Beethoven wrote a fifth symphony you probably know how that starts and you've got yeah. an idea in your head of how it should go but the the cool thing is uh trying to bring that approach to these pieces that we know and love is mm -hmm. to try to look at them with really fresh ears. Mm -hmm. And I think that helps keep everything really exciting all yeah. the time. Sort of, sort of playing these, these lesser-known pieces allows you to kind of bring your own flavor as a musician yeah. to it without hearing that that sort of you know performance that you've heard over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Huh. And then we can apply that same practice to the, the pieces that we've all heard a lot. interested in, in how you guys got together. You, you met at, at Yale and formed there. Mm -hmm. I know there are a lot of string quartets out there. What, what kind of made you guys say, we should do this thing because we have something special to bring? What, what was it that prompted you, John? Well, I was actually going to, I think Richard and Maureen, but uh, <clears throat> since they, they sort of started at Yale, but um, I, I know for, for me, and I know I'm sure for all of us, playing chain music is really, uh, especially for, well, for any instrument possible, it's, it's um, but strings in particular, the, the music, the repertoire that we get to play, uh, especially in quartets, um, is really some of the most special uh, music that composers have had a have written. Um, it, it has gone through, um, all of our favorite composers have basically written all throughout their life string quartet music, and it really is a, it's a great, it shows their development, it shows their, a lot of their interest in, in experimenting, mm -hmm. and also some of their greatest works, you know, um, and that, that goes from, from Haydn all the way, you know, to Bartok, to Britain, 
um, Shostakovich and people today writing, Car- Elliot Carter. Um, I think there's something very special about string quartet writing, and I'm sure that, that all four of us feel very special to be able to play in a string quartet for that reason and many others. So that was one of the reasons I love I loved playing. I love playing chair music, and I, I, I love being in a quartet. But um, I'm sure the others have also other personal answers for that as well. Yeah, Rishi, you, you look like you have something to add to that. Sure. Well, exactly what John said, but um, I think for me personally, that was part of the attraction of going to Yale. That's when I first came over to the States to do my master's in cello, and the Tokyo String Quartet was coaching chamber music there and back home I had played quite a lot of piano trios and there weren't many violists at the school I was at and so I really wanted to play quartets uh, not knowing that that would be what I'm doing now but uh, it was certainly something that I, I wanted to do and just be a part of so when I arrived um, we had placement auditions for orchestra and chamber music and the coordinator asked if I was interested in playing quartet and I jumped at that and the first violin was Maureen and we were really lucky, I feel really lucky that we connected really well musically and even though I don't know if I said much to Maureen in the first year um, outside of rehearsals (laughs) but it was just a, a it was something that was really exciting for us and at the end of the first year we opted to carry on playing in the same quartet the following year and then we started getting some concerts outside of the university setting and that was that was really exciting just getting that taste of what what it could be like and then we were encouraged to stay together beyond graduation which we did and that's where the the graduate residency type thing um, came and very helpful for us. Firstly, in Illinois, we went to a two-year course to study with the Vermeer Quartet, and that was kind of an amazing experience. I feel like my ears really opened up. Um, And then we came down here uh, to Rice University, where they have a phenomenal string quartet program, where you can actually get a master's degree in string quartet playing. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's uh, an incredible... um, incredible opportunity Mm -hmm. it was for us Um, so you really get to focus on working as a group which is quite different it's a different skill set really than than playing your instrument by itself so um, it's a lot of fun Where where are you guys going from here? I know you're, you've um, you've you've just recorded Kurt's piece and like what's next? Next, you've got me. <laughs> well, I know you're gonna, you're going to be in Rice doing this this in March. Yeah, yeah. Before uh, that, before that, we're going to be in Iowa for a couple of concerts. Uh, New York. We've got a really cool program that we're doing with mm-hmm. the Boston Brass Quintet, um, all based on Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. So we'll be doing that in a couple mm-hmm. of places in Iowa and uh, playing in New York, or, uh, a program with some Italian music and, and some, a couple of New Zealand pieces as well, uh, which is cool. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. And your, and your general plan for world domination? 
Uh, yeah, we're hoping to take over yeah. by the end of the year. It's happening. We're just yeah, <laughs> I feel it. I feel the magic. We're working <laughs> right, yeah. right now. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for taking time to be on the Classical Classroom. I know you've been recording all day, and probably there was traveling before that, so really appreciate it. Now I, I, I've enjoyed getting kind of a look into what it's like to be in a, in a quartet, and I can't wait to um, hear more of your music. I listened to some today. It was very cool. Thanks. Thank thanks you for a lot. Thank yeah, you for thanks for having us. All right, everyone, that's it for this episode of Classical Classroom. For more Classroom, go to houstonpublicmedia.org slash classroom. You can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Tumblr. Subscribe to us, rate, and review us on the iTunes. Thanks today to audio producer Todd He-Man Holslander for twiddling knobs. Thanks to editor Mark DeClaudio for his piercing gray skull eyes. Thanks to the Enzo String Quartet for being here today. Thanks to me for saying words. But most of all, thanks to you for listening. By the power of gray skull. We'll catch you next time.